On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank, we're joined by former Oklahoma State and NFL quarterback Brandon Whedon. We talk all kinds of things with Whedon, including his career, Mike Gundy, and this year's Oklahoma State team. Before Brandon's interview, we jump right into local college football news with a few OU football updates. In the National College Football Roundup, we discuss the Big Ten's decision to play football in the fall and look at a few games we were excited about this weekend. We give you our winners and losers of the week and wet the beak with Thursday night football in the U.S. Open. Then we discuss little ones heading back to school in Oklahoma City and keeping it local. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. I'm man Michael Hosty. We'll kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Thursday, September 17th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank. And First Fidelity Bank has a special offer for our listeners and our listeners only. Visit ffb.com slash win to enter to win an OKC Energy FC prize pack that includes four tickets to the home game on September 27th, four energy scarves, and an OKC Energy jersey. You have until September 23rd to enter, and FFB will pick a winner September 24th. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone. Everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts couldn't be easier First Fidelity Bank provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Now, we're recording this on Wednesday night, and my brain hurts because <laughs> so much is happening. The, is the, the, the Power Five is back? Like, it, it, all of a sudden, like, it was gone, and now it's just back. Here we are, normal football season. Okay. I, I'll tell you what. Nothing screams fraud more than the Big Ten coming back and then the Pac-12 saying, oh, if you're coming back, then I think we're all good to play. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we're fine. Let's, we'll come back too. Now, now we're going to get – were super concerned 10 minutes ago, but now all of a sudden everything is fine. <laughs> we're, you know, Oregon and California are literally on fire, but, you know, we can make some exceptions for football. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll get into all of that during the National College Football Roundup, but I do want to mention one thing for all other listeners. I know we're all looking for as much positivity as we can get. Teddy, do you know what happens? 100 days from now uh what's that the is that the college football playoff announcement or 
Christmas. 100. Okay. 100 days from now. Just a little fun fact. Just a little be like, oh, wow. So it's kind of close. You know, we've all all been super stressed out. Christmas only 100 days away. How about that? So it seems like the presidential election is like halftime of uh, on the way to Christmas, right? Isn't it 50 days away or or right about that? I mean, I think by that point, everyone's going to be like, dear God, we need Christmas, please. <laughs> I think, I definitely think so. <laughs> All right, Let, let's get to the football and the local college football news is brought to you by Will and Wiley Hard Seltzer. Guys, stop acting like you're too many and just accept it. Hard seltzers are amazing. There's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Will and Wiley Hard Seltzer from Coop Ale Works. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it by the pool, at the lake, and at the tailgate, which means in your car, in the parking lot. (laughs) It's made in Oklahoma, and it's absolutely delicious. Will & Wiley is customized for the Oklahoma lifestyle. Go find it right now in a store near you, and go follow them on social media at at Will & Wiley. If you're drinking some because of us, tag us in your social media posts to let them know. Okay, we have an awesome interview with Brandon Whedon to kind of preview Oklahoma State. We talked to him a little bit about his career, things like that. He he talks about the Cleveland Browns. It was, was a lot of fun. But So we're going to get some more Oklahoma State stuff uh, since it's a bye week for OU. But there are a few pieces of OU news. Uh, congrats to Spencer Rattler, named Big 12 Newcomer of the Week. Steven Johnson, named Big 12 Special Teams Player of the Week. Good for those guys. Steven Johnson, I'm not sure we're going to see him the rest of the year now that Burkich is going to be back. But, Ted, that's a hell of a performance. If you get one shot, that that's that's one for one right there. One shot, one kill. Let's go. What did Lincoln say? It's been like a 1,000 days since he's been in a football game, an actual football game. So that's pretty impressive. No big deal. Just walk out there. Uh, hit a couple of nice balls and special teams player of the week. Let's go. You got to love it. Why not? Why not? Okay. Another piece of OU info. Uh, the University of Oklahoma football program is doing a 10 part documentary, se- documentary series called The Standard. I wonder if Nick Saban will call with any uh, trademark questions on that one. But the first episode is out Thursday. And it looks like it's going to be pretty cool. I wonder if they saw Oklahoma State and what was going on with the ESPN Plus thing, and they saw it, and they were like, you know what? We'll just go ahead and do that on our own. We'll just cut ESPN out of this whole thing. We'll be able to control it all. I like it. I I think this is the time to do it, right? You can control all that stuff. You've got a great content team already. Why not, Ted? No, they've got – that's the one thing that's different about Oklahoma than pretty much – everyone in college football is since they control those third tier rights and they've got all the infrastructure to do all that stuff themselves. They put a ton of money into uh, all that technology that it takes to, to run those television shows and streaming and all that stuff. I mean, it is first class operation. So yeah, they can do this stuff themselves, produce it and put out a really good product. And you, it's a lot easier to control the process to what you want to get out, what you don't want to get out. And I know um, you've always got that final editing, you know, decision, but it just makes it easier whenever you trust your guys doing it. And they, they kind of know to begin with what you're okay with and what you're not okay with. So I like, is it going to be on Sooner Sports 
Com? Is that where they're streaming it? So that's where that's where I was a little confused because Lincoln put it out on Twitter, almost like this thing is going to be available almost on like YouTube type huh. situation. That, that's kind of how it seemed to be. I, I guess we'll find out right, soon. So I, like I, I don't know, but it looked the, the kind of teaser that he put out for it looked like it's going to be pretty good. They already do a jo- great job with all that stuff anyways. And this is a great way. Let's not forget dead period has been extended. You can't have kids on campus. The family can't come on campus. This is the way that normally, because you bring a kid, you bring a recruit in, he comes into the locker room before the game. He comes into the locker room after the game. Maybe he sits in and on meeting. This is a way to show some of those kids some of those things. I know they've been doing really good with the virtual visits uh, throughout this entire thing, but this is just another recruiting tool, and you can never have too many recruiting tools in the toolbox, Ted. Well, that's true, and right now you've got to do everything you can to to get that notoriety and push your product out there and get in front of as many people as you can. I'm just sitting here laughing about how far it's come because I can remember – so, you know, like, let's say um, – let's say it's you're, – you're in the 11 o'clock broadcast, and the 2.30 game is coming up, and they'll say, coming up at 2.30, Oklahoma takes on – Oklahoma State, and they'll do like a like a pan like into the locker room a little bit. Like they'll show like the OU, and you'll see some guys like rolling around putting tape on and stuff. I remember ESPN was in our locker room filming one of those little lead-up things during, on a game day, and Coach Stoops walked in there and saw him. Oh, my God. You would have thought it was the end of the world. I felt bad for those poor guys, man. It was unbelievable. You're so, just like, I think he wants you to leave. Coach, it's okay. I promise. No one had their playbook out. We're fine. It's good. Don't kill these guys. <laughs> please please don't hurt them. Please don't hurt them. All Access right, well, has changed, Gabe. It has indeed uh, because there's a lot of money in that mm-hmm. stuff. So that's why it's changed. Now, uh, one more piece of news. Uh, people seem to – some people seem to be worried about OU's players – Having an off weekend, no game this weekend, clearly. By week, normally kids get the weekend off. Maybe they get to go home, see the family, maybe say what's up to the, the high school sweetheart, see how they're doing. But fear not, people. The Sooners are going to practice over the weekend. Lincoln Riley has done the smart thing. So the kids will not be going anywhere. They will be practicing this weekend uh so that kind of eliminates and practicing in the morning so that kind of eliminates maybe any of the uh, stupider things the kids would have done so well i don't i mean i think you I may think be that's assuming only, too much but, yeah, but I, I get true. your point i here's what i'm laughing at think about this you know if you've had the virus you don't have to test again for 90 days so imagine if Lincoln came in and said, okay, guys, uh, for those that have not tested positive tomorrow, 8 a.m. practice, for the guys that have and don't have to test anymore, no curfew tonight. Uh, we'll see you guys Monday. Be safe. <laughs> Make smart decisions. We'll see you guys back here Monday. Everyone else, you're on lockdown. They'd just be like, dude, spit in my mouth. <laughs>
spit in my mouth. Like <laughs> I want to be able with. to <laughs> just get it over with. No, but I, I thought that was, I mean, that's the smart thing to do. I know I talked to Neil Brown at West Virginia. That's what they're doing. They're practicing Saturday morning and Sunday morning there in Morgantown. So, I mean, this is what, this is what teams are doing. And I, it's really the only option. It's the classic, we got to protect these kids from themselves situation. So they're going to practice over the weekend and then into they get right back into game week in preparation for Kansas State. So that wraps up the, the Oklahoma news. Now, we got a lot of Oklahoma State stuff in this Brandon Whedon interview. And this interview is brought to you by Sound Advice. A lot of us are going to be watching our favorite football teams from home this year, which is why you need to get ready for game day with a home theater system from our friends at Sound Advice. Sound Advice can customize your home entertainment system indoors or outdoors. Sound Advice did the Wi-Fi network and all the audio visual at my new house, and it is awesome. They hide all the wires and cable boxes so it looks great, and I can control every TV in my house from my phone. My internet has been flawless. It's really good. I mean, it's been really good. We do the pod. I mean, we record everything on it. It's been great. So for the best home theater system in the Oklahoma City area, call Sound Advice at 405-549-3880 or visit soundadvice.com. All right, here's Brandon Whedon. It's our pleasure to be joined by the best quarterback in the history of Oklahoma State football, and it's not even a debate, people. He may have been the 22nd pick of the 2012 draft, but he is number one in your hearts, ladies and gentlemen. Brandon Whedon is in the house. What's up, man? What's up? How we doing? B-Dub, you keeping that arm warm? Before we start, I've never seen Teddy without an OU shirt on, by the way. I've seen him probably 15 times. I've never seen him without an OU shirt. He stays loyal. In fairness, fairness, it's Pretty much every time has been on the golf course, and all I I will admit that's all I have is OU polo. That's true. Yeah, no, it's fair. That's fair. I, I, had, I had to bust your chops a little bit. It's fair point. <laughs> fair point. Now, uh, Teddy was asking. I think he was about to ask how how the arm feels. Are you about to Are you about to jump on one of these Josh McCown deals, man? Did you see that? What the first person I saw that deal, I was like, that is definitely happening for Whedon. There's no way it doesn't. Oh, I'd kill for that deal. I mean, are you kidding me? And that's – we actually, I was talking to a buddy of mine. I mean, it's, what is it, 12 grand a week. So, you take that time, 17 weeks. He's living in Texas. So, if, you know, worst going to worst, he has to fly to, to Philly. Are you kidding me? I mean, that's that's about as sweet as it gets. So, he's making, I don't know, two and a half a year and, you know, gets, gets to take his kid to school every day. I'd sign up for that any day of the week. But, no, my phone my phone hasn't rang in a long time. So, I'm uh, – I'm I'm still taking the kids to school, but I'm not I'm not collecting a check like that. <laughs> hey, I'll do damn near anything if it doesn't involve training camp, right? I'd be sign me up for anything as long as there's no training camp involved. Oh yeah, dude. I mean, training. I mean, you know, even as a quarterback, I mean, you're not getting hit. You know, you're not even sweating hardly. You know, unless you're in Houston. But I mean, training camps it's for the birds, man. I mean, <laughs> that's what. Yeah, you know, I remember. Like, so I was done in eighteen. Uh, 2019, I wasn't real sure if I was going to play again, but I was like, it wouldn't hurt my feelings if somebody picked me up like August 28th, 29th when, you know, the cuts were over, training camp's over. I don't, I don't deal with all the BS anymore. I can just go go play ball. No preseason games, none of that crap. You know, the, the preseason games will suck, in my opinion. But, um, yeah, no, training camp's 
it's for the birds. I mean, you know, I got lucky. We were in Greenbrier for two of my years, you know, so two of my seven were up in, in West Virginia, which is pretty good. But still, even then, it's uh, it's a beat down. Now, I, I do want to talk about Oklahoma State football this year, but I, I've i talked to you about it before. When you, when you look back at your career, like, what do you think? Because you always hear people talking about your career. Like, everyone's got their opinion, right? You know, people right. tell me about – how shitty I was in the, in the NFL. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, what'd you do, bud? Like, yeah. you know, we all have those people. And I, what, what has that been like? Like you hear all that stuff about yourself and about your career and then kind of, you have this own opinion of your career. How have those two things like worked together or worked against each other for you? Yeah. I mean, you know, college wise, I mean, you know, I mean, obviously, I feel like I've had a hell of a career except for maybe one game. You know, I'd like, I'd like to have one game back. And, and we've all had that that experience where it's like, God, you know, you like to have one back. I mean, and, and unfortunately, you know, mine cost me a Heisman Trophy and it cost me a chance to play for a national championship. So it was a big one. Um, but at the same time, you know, I think um, pro-wise, I was happy to be a first-round pick, but I knew what I was walking into with Cleveland. I mean, Cleveland was – I mean, we think it's bad now. I mean, you saw what you saw on Sunday. You think it's bad now. Imagine what it was, I don't know, nine years ago. I mean, it was a absolute dumpster fire. And, and um, you know, so I, it was kind of a double-edged sword. Yeah, you're nice because you're a first-round pick. But at the same time, you're walking to a situation where it's kind of hard to succeed. You don't have a great team around you. You know, as a rookie, I was, I've always still – I still feel like this. I, I think it's hard as a quarterback to walk in – to really many situations, unless you got a great team, which is hard because if you're a, a first-round pick, usually the quarterback's pretty good. But if you're a quarterback and you're walking into a, a, a tough situation like that, you know, chances are you don't have a good team around you. So, you know, you're already up against the wall. Um, you know, for me, did my, did my pro career really go the way I anticipated? No. Um, I mean, I played really good in Dallas, kind of got short enough. I mean, you know, I, I played uh, – pretty well played really good in Houston um uh didn't really play in Tennessee but you know I I just kind of I started off so slow that it was kind of hard to overcome it you know guys like you know I mean Johnny or Brady you know Brady Quinn or these guys that start in Cleveland you know once you once you struggle early man it's hard to overcome it and uh you know fortunately I hung on for seven years and um you know got a chance to kind of go out and play a little bit more but man Cleveland was it was a it was a beat down man well, talk about the difference. So at Oklahoma State, you know, before you got there, Oklahoma State, not a great history. Um, they've made a couple of runs here and there. But, you know, talk about the difference in the ability to turn around a college program versus trying to turn around an NFL program that's that struggled for a really long time. What, what was the difference there? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, you know, when I came to Oklahoma State in 07, Boone had just given all this money, so our, our, our facilities were getting better and we were catching up. But as far as the team, I mean, shoot, we were we were scuffling. I mean, you know, we're, we're happy to make a bowl game, which that's not where you want to be as a program. So, um, you know, it got better every single year I, I was there. You know, I was there for the I'm a man on 40 with, with Gundy and, and Bobby Reed and Zach. And then, you know, and, and Zach obviously played pretty well. Uh, I played a couple games my sophomore year in 09, you know, but we're, I mean, we're not trying to, we're not competing for national championships. We're not even competing for big 12 championships. We're trying to, we're trying to win eight, nine, 10 games max. And, um, 
But I would say once we hired Daniel Holgerson, after our sophomore year, we had all these pieces in place. So coming into 2010, we actually finally, for the first time since I can remember, had some legit expectations. You know, we, we didn't have that before, you know. And, you know, you guys have been spoiled because every year there's expectations down there. But, you know, up, up, in, up in Stillwater, you know, it's just we're just we're, – we're trying to compete. We're trying to be the upper echelon of the Big 12, and we're just kind of – we've been always been in the middle of the pack. So I think we exceeded expectations in 2010. And obviously, you know, all the pressure we had on us in 2011 with all the, the talent we had back, you know, I, I would say we exceeded it. Everybody's a little bit bummed out because the way it ended, but I feel like, you know, so from 07 to 10, we just escalated the entire time. And then I feel like the reason I'm pissed off about some of the things that went on, I feel like they went backwards. And I mean, you have talked about that, Teddy. I mean, it's just, uh, it, you know, you work so hard to climb up the ladder to try to compete with OU in, in Texas, you know, and, and you get there finally, you feel like you do, and you take 20 steps back. And, you know, there's, there's a million reasons that happened. But, you know, I feel like, you know, our class in 2011 kind of put us on the pedestal in the Big 12 to say, hey, look, Oklahoma State's not a bad little program. You know, they just got to kind of keep doing what they're doing. Yeah, so uh, I think what a lot of guys take pride in in college football is leaving the program better than you found it, right? And then you you see them building new facilities and doing all these things, and you're like, okay, you know what? I You kind of feel like you had a part in it almost I know I know that sounds weird but it so it sounds like you're pretty frustrated that you guys built it up to where you did in 2011 and went and please for the love of God let's not talk about that game but (laughs) talk about that all you want no no no, no, I'm good thanks man um but it seems like where you guys took the program that you thought that it would keep you know gradually going up and up with what you had set up and it doesn't seem like it's been that way, right? Yeah, I mean, it hasn't. And, you know, honestly, I've been pretty vocal about it. I mean, with Oklahoma State people, with – I mean, even people that up there that have a lot of a lot of say. But you work so hard to get to where you want to go. And we – I mean, we were you know, arguably second or maybe third in the country that year. And I feel like either we plateaued or almost went backward, backwards in recruiting, um, you know, whether that's on the head coach or the assistants, you know, however it may, may fall. But – you know, Oklahoma State's never going to go get 10 five-star, five-star players in a recruiting class. It's never going to happen. But I feel like we maximize where we're going to get to as an organization or as a, as, a, as a school. So, in my opinion, we almost went backwards. I mean, shoot, a couple years later, we won seven games. So, how do you go, how do you go from winning 12 games to seven games? You know, whether quarterback, receiver, defense, whatever it may be, it doesn't matter. We're not bringing in the same caliber of guys. And I, that was my biggest frustration. You know, it, we're not going out and get the top-tier guys, even in the state of Oklahoma, much less in Texas or wherever else recruiting. So that was my biggest my biggest deal. I was I was relatively vocal about that, especially in 2014. I had a little dinner with a bunch of big donors and Mr. Pickens and a bunch of guys, and, and that was my biggest frustration. I feel like everything kind of got laxed. And, um, you know, we worked our asses off. Mr. Pickens worked his ass off, paid a bunch of money to get that thing where he wanted to go. He wanted to see a championship. He finally saw a Big 12 championship, and all of a sudden, shit at the fan, we went backwards. I mean, you know, and we really haven't really been back there until we are. You know, there's some expectations this year, but it, it really hasn't been the same since. You know, going to Cleveland, it's, it's, it's a tough place to win, man. Anywhere in the NFL, it's hard to, like, take a place that's lost for a long time and spin that mindset around. <laughs> and 
you know, it doesn't really matter the, the situation, the circumstances. Uh, the fans, once they flip on a team or a guy, it's almost impossible to recover from that. And I feel like we're watching Baker just kind of teeter on the edge right now. Yeah. I mean, what do you what do you see up there in Cleveland right now? And yeah, is there a chance that they get things turned around and save that before the fan base piles in on them? I mean, I think so. You know, he's got a little more leeway because he's the first overall pick. Right? I mean, you know, he was he's kind of their guy. They're gonna kind of ride and die with. But I think it's deeper than him. He's not playing good. Don't get me wrong. I think he's playing very average below average he's, his accuracy in college I thought was incredible I thought he threw the ball extremely accurate in college but he's missing some throws that you know you're not expecting from a guy like that but on the flip side I mean you don't see a whole lot of separation from from OBJ or even Jarvis Landry Jarvis has some underneath catches but he's not like just getting separation on these guys um you know Odell had a couple in my opinion pretty big drops that kind of cost him some drives and stuff like that so yeah I mean Baker's gonna get all the 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 criticism and rightfully so. I don't think he's playing very good. Um, but that town is so it's weird, man. Like I remember I was there, we didn't win our first couple games. I mean, you know, I was our first quarterback and you know, I end up setting rookie records up there, but they hate me, you know, like as a <laughs> they, they absolutely hate me. touchdowns, yards, completions, the whole deal. And I, you know, I'm the worst quarterbacks ever played there. So the media up there, and there's a couple, Mary Kay Cabot, I'll say her name. I don't care now she is looking for controversy. I mean, she, she wants quarterback controversy, all those grossy, all those guys want con the controversy with quarterback. So when things start going bad, they're, they're already, they're already kind of prying, you know, like, Oh, who's out there next year? Is Trevor Lawrence going to be there? Is, you know, who's the next guy? And Chum like, in the water, right? Yeah, dude. It, it's, it's, it's the most toxic, toxic environment. I mean, yeah, the organization is not great. It's getting better, but I think the media up there tries so hard and they're, they're just so, ruthless man but you know I don't I think he's got a long ways to go he's got to play better that's all there's to him he's got to play better they've got to play better around him I mean that you know they got to run the ball better can't turn it over he's got to throw the ball better but um it's just a tough tough place to play quarterback man and there's been a shit ton we've all we've we've all seen the, the jersey right I mean he's 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 a list of he's probably number 25 26 on that list but there's been a bunch of us do you, do you take pride in being on that jersey? That jersey, that's that's one of the goofiest things in sports, man. I, oh. it, I, a lot of people blame the quarterbacks, but, dude, the ownership and everything there. I mean, I was part of a 1-15 team there. It's yeah. just, eh. You can't explain it. I mean, yeah. it's hard to explain to people. You, you really can't. So, so when I got drafted, um, you know, the owner sold the team. Randy Lerner sold it to Haslam. So I had two owners. Three G, uh, yeah, three GMs, three head coaches, three offense coordinators in two years. Baker's going through the same thing, and that's what eight years, you know, after I was there. I mean, it just it never ends. It's just it's just a revolving door, man. It's just you you got to have some kind of continuity, and they don't have it up there. It's just um, I I don't know, man. And you know, in the NFL, you guys both know as well as anybody. If you lose week one, and then week two is a nightmare because you're like, oh yeah, you know world's ending and then you go win week two you're like okay now we're back you know now we're gonna make the playoffs then you lose week three it's just a week-to-week -week league up there it's it's doomsday for 16 weeks regardless if you win by 20 or you lose by 20 i mean it's just a it's just a tough place man i don't know why i feel like the the nfl is you know you get to a certain point in the season i don't know if it's like 
when you're out of the playoffs or I guess every season and every team is different, but there, there comes a point in every season where it's every man for himself and that's coaches, that's personnel, that's football players, that's people in the janitor off. I mean, it's everybody all of a sudden is starting to scramble to save their own job. And it's just a disaster on the field. It is. I mean, you know, you can sense it. I mean, you go in for breakfast at seven thirty in the morning, you're like, this guy's like, Damn, I hope I'm here tomorrow. You know what I mean? Everybody, everybody's on pins and needles all the time. It's not a good, it's not a good environment, man. Stressful. Now, before we get to the OSU stuff, uh, who are kind of some of your favorite guys to watch? Now, I, I know how quarterbacks work. You guys are always constantly watching, talking shit on each other, saying why guys suck. But then you'll you'll throw a compliment in there every once in a while. So when you're sitting down. On Sundays, like who are you? Who'd you enjoy watching uh, opening weekend? Well, I mean, I'm I'm I never criticize quarterbacks because I've been back there. You know, I mean, it, when you're when you sit in that pocket, you know, you know how hard it is. So I, I have a hard time criticizing guys. But I mean, I've always been a gigantic fan of of Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers is just there's no one more talented at that position, in my opinion, in the league uh, throwing the football. I mean, yeah, I mean Russell Wilson and you know obviously Patrick Mahomes and and Lamar Jackson, but um, I, mean, I love watching A-Rod. Um, so, you know, him, really him, Brady, and Peyton growing up, you know, before I got in the NFL, those are the guys I really watched. Um, you know, now, I mean, still him, obviously. I mean, he's, he's a guy, you, you know, every quarterback kind of wants to do. You, you just can't do quite what he does arm talent-wise. And footwork. his footwork's not very good, but he, he still gets it done. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is, in my opinion, I mean, head and shoulders above everybody else. I think he's – He's the best quarterback in the league. He's got the best weapons around him. I think he's got the best supporting cast. Um, I think he's – I mean, he's just – he's on He's on top of it. Um, I'm trying to think. Like, you know, I – What do you think of Kyler? I, I think that system and Hopkins there, I mean, he was yeah. throwing bullets all over the place. And then you add in the running aspect, which he's a little different. We've seen running quarterbacks in the NFL, but what he run it 13, 14 times and – got hit once, got tackled yeah, once. Every yeah. other time he slid, ran out of bounds or scored. You can tell he's being smart. <clears throat> I only saw a little bit of that game. You know, I was watching the NFL red zone or whatever it was, so they kind of cut back and forth. But, um, I mean, the dude's always been extremely accurate, in my opinion. Now he's got weapons. I mean, he's got, you know, Fitzgerald's still playing at a high level. Hopkins is probably the best receiver in the league. But he's running the football smartly. You know, I, I think that's – you know, some of these quarterbacks run, even Deshaun. I love Deshaun. But sometimes he takes some hits. You're like, dude – you know, you're not the biggest dude in the world. Kyler's obviously not the biggest dude in the world. Even Cam, like, I'm a Patriots guy somehow. I don't know how in the world that yeah. happened, but I, I I watched the Patriots, and I thought Cam looked great in game one, but it's like, dude, you're just coming back from injury, yeah. and you're taking 100 shots out there. Yeah, it's not – you know, they're not little shots either. Those add up. I mean, it's like boxing. You know, you, know, you can't get hit over and over and over. So, yeah, Cam, I mean, I've never been a big fan of Cam's game obviously because it's different than what I'm, what I'm used to, but he, yeah, he's taking a beating, but Kyler, in my opinion, I mean, if he plays like he did on Sunday, they're going to be hard to beat. Cause I think that defense is kind of sneaky. Good. Mm -hmm. They've got really good players. Um, I've always been a big fan of Kyler. I, first time I ever saw him was in Dallas. I was with the Cowboys and we did a, a Nike seven on seven um, passing deal. It's like, Holy shit. Who's this dude? His, his dad was out there and, you know, he was kind of helping him out. I was like, God, this kid's just, he's different, you know? So, obviously, he did down there in Norman. But, um, no, I, I think he's got 
I think he's got a humongous ceiling. I think he's, you know, if he runs a football like that, he's got he's to use those legs. That division is you know, arguably the toughest in, in probably the NFL. So he's not to, you know, do some of that. But if he can stay healthy, they got a chance. They're going to be they're going to be tough to, to deal. I'm a big fan of Cliff Kingsbury as well. I think he's a good offensive mind. Yeah. They're fun to watch. I, I enjoy, obviously, Kyler is a lot of fun to watch. Okay. Uh, finally, we're going to do it. We're going to talk about Oklahoma State football. Fine. Twist my arm. We'll talk about OU if you want to. I don't care. Uh, we can talk about whatever. But I, I do want to talk about, before we talk about the season about to get started for the Cowboys, it was an interesting offseason. <laughs> Yeah. They're in Stillwater. And I just wonder, like, what were your reactions to those situations? You know, the Chuba Hubbard thing, the Mike Gundy thing, because Oklahoma State was, I mean, it was on the front of everything. I mean, you turn on CNN, Fox News, it didn't matter. Like, Oklahoma State was front page news. So, what was your reaction to all that? A little shocked. I mean, it's, I guess it's so close to home type deal. You know, I mean, I didn't even know what OAN was until I, I had to Google it. I mean, I had no idea what the, the whole thing was, but, but I'm sure Chuba didn't either. I mean, you know, I'm sure somebody told him what it was. But, you know, the T-shirt thing, obviously, you know, I'm going to go on a rant a little bit here, but, like, the society in the world has gotten so – everything's political. But you're, you're politically correct. Everything's about politics, everything. You know, so you can't – you can't really express your own feelings whether which side you're on. You know, and, and I think whether it be the NBA, Major League Baseball, obviously football, college football now, it's all so daggum political. And I, I think it's steering people in the wrong direction. I mean, I think viewership's going down because of all this stuff. I can I can name literally 30 OSU fans that will never watch an Oklahoma State game while Chuba's there. Now, is that right, wrong, or indifferent? Probably not. I mean, that, I think that's a little, little ridiculous. Um, but, you know, I get both sides. I mean, I – you know, we've all been in locker rooms. Locker rooms are the most sacred place in the world. We've all got black friends. We've close some of our closest friends are black guys, and so it's 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 a unique place. Um, so it's hard to explain. You know, to to kind of talk about that outside of locker room. You know, you're at the golf course or with your buddies. Um, you know, but you know the whole situation in Oklahoma State. Um, you know, it's just kind of what's going on in the world, and I think it's right. I, I think I think people, black people in the society, I think they have a legit complaint. I think, you know, the way the cops are treating them, the whole deal. Um, now, does that happen in Stillwater? No, but I think it's a bigger – I think they're seeing the bigger picture, which is fine. So, he's got a platform. He's using it. I'm all for it. Um, you know, I just think when it comes time to play football, let's go play football. You know, and that's been my whole deal is, you know, everybody's talking about should we should we play? Like, should the Big Ten play? Should the Pac-12 play? Yes. Everybody – we all need football. You know, whether it be societal issues, COVID issues, whatever it may be, we need football. We need we need we need that continuity again. I think that kind of brings us together. But um, you know, I, I know too much from my own good up there of, of what's going on in Stillwater. I just I I, I know too much. But um, you know, I, I think uh, everybody's handled it the right way. I think Gundy handled it the right way. Obviously, I think Chuba's handled it the right way. I think he's a he's a stand up dude. Uh, Tylen's a stand up dude. They're all stand up dudes. They've, they've all got to grab. I, I get I'm on I'm not, I'm on the fence here because I, I get both sides. But um, you know, I think, um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we're a team. Everybody's a team. If you're in that locker room, let's all join together and go play a game. That's why it's so good to be in a, in a football locker room. That's, it. That's really the only thing I miss about playing is just being in a locker room with the guys. And, and you're all kind of going to that, that one, toward that one goal.
So from what you heard, I mean, it looked like at one point that Gundy may lose the team. You know, like we've been there or we've seen, heard of situations where a coach or a staff, something happens, whether it's on the field coaching, game plan stuff, or off the field stuff. Once a coach or staff loses the team, it goes bad. And it looked like there was a point where that may happen. And then we saw like some mended fences. Some of it looked legit. Other times it didn't look that legit. ridiculous video. <laughs> All right. So what do you think? Is, is this team focused? Are they in lockstep? Are they 100% behind Gundy and that coaching staff? It's hard to tell. I mean, you know, I've only been to one practice. I went up last Wednesday, um, setting on the, on the meetings and, you know, with the quarterbacks, and I went out to practice. You know, if, if you're looking from the outside looking in, yeah, they look like they're all kind of dialed in. But um, the rumblings I'm hearing are, you know, there's some guys gravitating in different directions. You know, they're not as cohesive maybe as, you know, they, they use the example as, as a team, you know, my, my senior year. My senior year, we were a tight-knit group. That's what it takes to win. Um, this team right here may be just as talented, if not more talented than, than we were. But um, I think there's some loose ends there. I think they need to tie them up. Um, I don't know. Like I said, I, I'm kind of looking from the outside in. I've only been to one practice, so I, I, can't, I can't speculate. But, um, you know, just kind of the rumblings I'm getting, it's just kind of hit or miss. It depends on the day. You know, it's just kind of some days they're, they're dialed in. Some days, you know, they're all together. And some days it's like, you know, it's – the next guy's trying to trying to save the world, but who knows? I mean, it's um, we all know. I mean, it, it takes it, it's such a such a large deal to to get a team to go in the everybody going the same direction. You know, whether it be Gundy or or whoever it may be coordinators, whoever it may be. But I, I think I think they got the right guys there. It's just um, hopefully once they start playing this weekend, all the BS can you know be put aside and then go play football. Right. So uh, I mean, they are. All indications, right? They're playing Tulsa on Saturday. Let's start with Spencer Sanders. I mean, it's what you know the best when it comes to quarterback position. It's still a very, very similar system, I assume, to what you ran. Some differences, I'm sure. But they've got Casey Dunn now there as the offensive coordinator. Your buddy Tim Rattay is the quarterback's coach now. Like, What are your expectations for Spencer Sanders? How good can this kid be this year? Yeah, I mean, obviously he's got a unique skill set. I mean, I, I think he's kind of a you know a mixture of uh, kind of a Zach Robinson with his feet, kind of you know uh, moving around the pocket, running around, do some things. You know, my biggest thing with him is is as as a young player, I think he tried to make every single play. I mean, you look at the Texas Tech game; he turned it over five times. Other games, he just he just tries to do too much. You know, instead of you know checking out of your back or you know taking your underneath throw, whether it be in progression, you know. As, as a quarterback, as a young player, you want to you want to try to make those highlight plays. He did that in high school, you know, and he you know didn't have a ton of those splash plays in, in college, you know, his first year in college. But um, I think I think he's got a high ceiling. I, I'm not a. I think he's got a long ways to go. I'll be very 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 honest. I think he's a good player, um, a lot of talent, a lot of athleticism, but I think he's got a long long ways to go as a thrower from a from a pocket passer uh, standpoint. I, I just don't. He's not there yet. Um, in my opinion, last year they they made it so simple for him. He was reading one side of the field. If it wasn't there, it was just kind of use his feet and kind of just, you know, kind of just do his own thing. You can't get away with that against good teams. You, you can do it against Tulsa, but you can't do that against, you know, legit 
Big 12 defenses. So um, I think he's a good player. They're going to go as he goes. If he plays well, he doesn't turn it over, they're going to be good offense. But um, I think the jury's still out. I, I think he's got a lot of growing up to do. I think he's got a lot of maturing um, as a quarterback. I, I just don't think he's there yet. But with all that being said, I think he's got the right guy in the quarterback room, Tim Rattay. I think Tim Rattay was, was a home run hire. He's going to dial him in. He, I, I sat in one meeting for 45 minutes, and I guarantee you he's already more dialed in in that 45, you know, in the, this whatever, four, five, six months since he's been there than he was all of last year. I can, I can guarantee you that. Um, Tim's going to have him right. He'll, he'll get him, you know, mechanically better, um, kind of simplify it for him. Um, Tim Rattay is a hell of a quarterback's coach. You know, the one thing I'm, I'm really curious with Oklahoma State is the offensive line. Uh, you know, uh, average quarterback can look really good behind a good offensive line, and an average quarterback can look really bad behind a bad offensive line. And you take a young guy that maybe doesn't read things um, at, a, at an expert level just yet, maybe isn't the most accurate passer in the world, if he has an offensive line that, you know, that clock in his head is sped up all the time and he's worried about people bearing down on him, it could be a bad result. So, for me, that's kind of what I'm looking for. What have you seen from their, their O-line so far? Yeah, you know, I think, I think they're well coached, which is a good start. You know, I was a little, you know, I, I think they had some young guys playing in certain spots in the last three or four years. They were kind of in some spots they weren't really comfortable with. But I, I think they're well coached. I think they're, they're a solid unit. You know, are they the – are they the, you know, the bunch that maybe I had in my senior year, or, you know, guys, you just, you know, guys they have in Norman, you know, they don't, they don't have a Creed Humphrey, you know, I don't have a guy like that. That's going to be a, an anchor for him. I think he's, you know, they're, they're kind of a, a unit that kind of feeds off each other. They're kind of a, um, you know, figure out as they go type deal. You know, they just don't have that big name guy that's going to be the anchor for them. Um, but I think, I, I think they're well coached. They've, they seem to be playing pretty well. Everything when I was asking questions, you know, those guys up there, they all, you know, seem to be pretty happy with them. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're bigger bunch, pretty athletic looking guys, but um, obviously lost Bryce Bray, which is a big loss. He, he's a starter. He's got a bunch of games under his belt. Um, so that, that's a big loss, but um, yeah, I mean, name me one team that doesn't have a good offensive line that wins a bunch of games and scores a bunch of points. You got to have one, you know, whether we run the football or throwing the football. So um, yeah, the, I think, mean, they may be the number one question mark, and then I think number two is obviously Spencer Sanders. But they, you know, they, they got a decent decent line. I just think they uh, they got to source some things up and, and kind of figure it all out. Now, when you look at the skill guys, though, they've one of the best groups, certainly in the conference, maybe in the country. When you look at Stoner, the Tay Martin kid that transferred in from Washington, sounds like he's going to play right away. Of course, you got Tylen Wallace. I think the Braden Johnson kid is an absolute burner. He flies. Yeah. So, uh, what do you think about that skill group? Obviously, Chuba, you factor him in there as well. It, it seems like they have a really good group of skill guys, Brandon. They do, and, and I think that'll help Spencer, obviously. But yeah, I mean, you know, that's last year when Tylen went down. I think they really went backwards. I mean, you know, Stoner had to kind of play some positions he's not really used to. Kind of had to go outside. Obviously, he's used to playing inside. Um, I think, I think Stunner's a hell of a player. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, again, on paper, they're what you want. I mean, they got, they got the resumes there. I think, you know, they're all proven players. I mean, Stunner's a proven player. Tylen's a proven player. They're, you know, Chuba's is obviously a proven player. Um, but at the end of the day, man, I mean, you gotta go, you gotta go get it done, you know? And I think, 
Um, some of these young guys, like I said, I mean, there's some there's some young guys that I think they're going to rely on to play early. I mean, maybe not redshirt. I mean, young guys are going to play, you know, first first round out of the box. So especially with all these new rules where it doesn't count this year doesn't count. But um, yeah, I, I think the talent's there. There's no question. They they got skill skill guy. I mean, I would say this is probably a better receiving core than I had my senior year from top to bottom. Um, that's saying a lot because I had some pretty good players around. So, um, you know, yeah, they got to stay healthy. They got to do some, you know, do some good things. But I think I think the skill level's there. Um, it's all in the quarterback, man. I'm, I, I can say it till I'm blue in the face. He's got to play good. And uh, if he doesn't, it's just going to be a mediocre year, in my opinion. We said top to bottom that that group may be uh, as good or better than than what you had. Well, what about Wallace? I mean, how do you think he stacks up with some of the, the best we've seen come through Oklahoma State, Des Bryant, Blackman, uh, Washington? How do you think he is in that group? I mean, he's right there. I mean, he's he's one of those guys. <clears throat> you know, I would say he, you know, James is a little different. James is built different. James run different. He, you know, he, his skill set's a little different, whereas Blackman kind of could do everything. I mean, ran every route understood coverage. I wasn't around James, so I, you know, I can't, I don't know his mental side. It seems like he's obviously doing pretty well because he's playing on Sundays, but um, no, I think Tylen's got, got the ability to be up there with those guys. I think his, his ball catching ability his his go up and get it as far as, you know, using his body to, to, to move guys. He's strong. He's fast. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's got a chance to be a, a top tier receiver in the country, not just in the big 12. I think he's got a chance to be a top tier receiver in the country if he can stay healthy, um, you know, which is a quarterback, when in doubt, it's one-on-one over there, I'm going to find my guy. You know, I don't care. I don't care what the down and distance is. If it's one-on-one and they're going to put some slappy over there, let's see what we got. I mean, you know, I don't – I don't. it doesn't it matter. And that, you know, I was lucky enough to have one of those in Blackman. So, um, you know, I, I just – I think he's got a chance to be really good. Stoner's, again, a good player. But, yeah, I think I – think, I think Tylen's got a chance to be a top – I don't know, three, four, five receiver, probably in the country. I mean, he's he's got that skill stage. Got to stay healthy. Coming off knee injury, it's going to be a little bit difficult for him. But he's uh, he's got a bunch of ability. Now I know uh, they got all those guys back on defense. Uh, Jim Knowles, another year under his belt. <clears throat> they going to be any good on that side of the ball? Because I mean, they 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 showed some good things last year. I, I think we all can agree. We're excited to see what Trace Ford can do this year. You know. I like Malcolm Rodriguez a lot, but I just don't know. Are, are they going to be able to play enough defense to really be a Big 12 title contending type team? Well, I mean, we saw how shitty Iowa State was and we saw how shitty K-State was. <laughs> if, those are the, if those are the offenses we're going against, we got a chance. Uh, Touche. No, That's a good point. God, it's all relative. Oh, my gosh. No, I mean, I think the guys you're talking about, I mean, like Malcolm's – a hell of a player. Uh, Trace Ford, in my opinion, is going to be a, a first-round draft pick. I mean, he's got that kind of ability. He can he can wreck a game. I mean, he's he's even dropped back in coverage, you know, playing outside linebacker and dropping, I mean, interceptable. I mean, he's, he's got body-wise, I mean, he's, he's, le- he's a legit threat. You know, I mean, when, he, when you're looking at Oklahoma State's defense, when that's he, in my opinion, is the guy you circle. I mean, he's like, don't let this guy wreck the game. We got a chance. Um but, you know, the one thing that stood out at practice that I, I got there in 07 that I thought was different was the corners. They look big. They look athletic. They're 6'1", 6'2". They look, they look good. I mean, they're big. They're ripped up. They look, they look like legit, in my opinion, 
I mean, they're not, they're not NFL caller as far as talent-wise, but they look like NFL DBs, which we haven't always had that. I mean, we've always had shorter guys, maybe skinnier guys, and, and they actually have some corners that kind of look – they look the part. So, they're excited about them. We'll see. I mean, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I'm not going to buy in until I see it on tape type deal and until I see it live. But I, I think all the pieces are there. There's no doubt. I, I, I think I think when Jim Knowles first got there, I think the, the system was so complex that it was the system was over their head. There were guys weren't really smart enough to pick it all up. Well now I think guys are kind of knowing the system and I think they're kind of understanding what they need to do. Um, and he's got better athletes. So if the pass rush is like it looked the other day, they got a chance with those DBs. Um, but who knows? I mean like I said I will, I will say, and I said this the other day, and I hope I'm not eating my own words, this is probably the most excited I've been about a defense since I've even been at Oklahoma State, and that's in 2007. I, I think this, this defense has enough ability, enough talent to kind of hold their own in order to win games for, for the entire squad, which I've not, I, there's not many years I would, I would never say that because, you know, there's, some, there's always been talented guys, but it's like, eh, are we going to go up 30? Or we gonna give up thirty five, you know, or twenty or twenty, you know. So it's like, you know, we've always relied on the offense, but I think I think this defense has a chance to be pretty good. I just I'm gonna veer off just on a quick little little tangent here. Um, what was your what was your um, interaction with Yursich? What'd you think of him? Because I watched Ellinger throw for what four fifty or so. The, on he was dialing cat. up the vertical passing game in Austin. Five touchdowns, you know, one of the best things Texas did is get the the damn play sheet out of Tom Herman's hand and into someone else's. And what is that a matchup between Yurcich and Ellinger that you think could be be something down in Texas? Yeah, I think he's gotten better. You know, his first couple years at Oklahoma State, I was pretty critical. I didn't, you know, I, I didn't think he was ready, you know, coming from where he came from. It just seemed like. You know, first and, first and second down, he had a plan. Then third down came. It was like, oh, he's panicked. You know, it just – I didn't feel like there was ever a rhythm. Whereas, like, when I was there, Dana Hogerson, there was always a rhythm to it. Todd Munkin, there was always a rhythm to it. Like, as a quarterback, you always kind of felt in rhythm. When he was there, I just never felt like the quarterbacks ever were in a rhythm. And um, now, year three and on when he was there, I think he kind of, kind of grew a lot. I, I think he kind of got more comfortable, kind of understood, you know, what he liked what he likes to call, get a feel for the quarterback, obviously, and just kind of kind of got better. Um, obviously, going to, to Ohio State last year probably helped him being around elite athletes, elite quarterbacks, elite, you know, offensive minds. Um, I, I, think he's, I think he's a good coordinator. I, I, still, I still think the quarterback's average, in my opinion. Yeah. I think Ellinger's – I think he's a, he's a watered-down Tim Tebow. I'll be honest. I, I think he's – He's a thrower, not really a passer, you know. He's, yeah, exactly. And he's just a big guy, you know runs over you. I mean, he, you know, he, he's a, he's a good college quarterback. He's played a bunch, bunch of snaps. He's a good player. Um, and I think yours is a, is a, is a pretty good offensive mind, but, um, not, not a combination that you're just really scared of. Hey, I, I like that. I like that. Yeah. That that's right. the answer Teddy wanted for mm-hmm. sure. There's yeah. no doubt. I, mean, I, I think, I, I think they're going to be good. I think they'll be fine. They got athletes obviously, but I just, I just don't think they're uh, prove it, man. I want to see it. I just, I just don't think they're there yet. Random question, actually not at all. But you gonna go to the Tulsa game? You gonna you gonna make the trip up to Stillwater for that one? I, hey, now I will say this about Tulsa: I like the Shamari Brooks kid at running back. Uh, I like the 
you know, the Keelan Stokes kid at wide receiver. And then have you guys seen the Zaven Collins kid that plays linebacker for them? No. Guys, 6'4", 260. You won't Jeez. miss him. The can guy is huge. And he can run. Like, they're talking about this guy may come out early. He's only a junior. I was like, wait, where the hell did this kid come from? He's massive. I was, I was watching his highlights earlier. Did he play last year? Yeah, I mean, he's, he looks like he moves around pretty good. I was like, this kid is enormous. Wow. I'm not going up. I, we, we had talked, me and my wife had talked about going up. Uh, you know, uh, Boone passed away a year ago on September 11th. So, uh, his assistant invited us up to sit in the suite. But I just, for 11 o'clock game, Kids got, you know, we got two young ones. We got stuff on Saturday. So, I just – we're going to stay put and watch the game too and have people over here. But, uh, no, I'm going to stay put. I, if it was a better, you know, if OU was coming to town or Texas or, you know. Plus, I just, it's not good. You know, it's okay. It's This whole good. COVID, this whole COVID thing, man, I'm just – I don't want to fight the – I don't want to fight the battle. Well, here's the thing. I mean, let's be honest. You know, you've never had to make the decision between – going to a college football game or watching the U.S. Open, right? That's never happened before, but here it is. True. Uh, so that's what – I imagine you're going to be uh, having the Open on as well, right? No doubt, especially tomorrow. You got – I mean, I know you guys don't probably don't pay attention to them, but that OSU pairing at Ricky, yeah, Tom, that's and pretty Wolf, cool. It's going to be good. So, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch – I've got I've got a few wagers on the on the U.S. Open, so it'll Ooh. definitely. Be on. Okay, well, don't don't be shy. The, the, what what the wagers? Special edition of Wet the Beak, guys. Exactly. <laughs> Actually, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the U.S. Open and Wet the Beak. But uh, who do you like? Who who do you like to win? I mean, that's kind of the simple one, right? Who do you, who do you think? Uh, what yeah. Rom? Because I know everyone likes him because he won the BMW right and the Memorial, and they, everyone says those were impossible and this. This course, even though what the USGA said, it's going to be a little easier. They said, we'll make it a little easier. Yeah. You I must be the guy, the guy that, that dropped 45 grand on Phil to win it. Was that you? No, it wasn't me. <laughs> wasn't my dumb ass. I made some dumb bets, but that's not one of them. Hey, uh, yeah, I saw the guy that set up the course. He said he wants eight over to win it. And so that the rough, I don't know if you guys saw like the on Instagram. They, they put I saw on. that uh, Arnold Palmer can. Yeah. That was crazy. Wow. I mean, the spotters are going to be on their – they're not going to be on their game, or she won't find golf balls two feet off the off the fairway. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, my pick to win it, probably DJ. I mean, right now, I mean, how do you how do you bet against him? If he drives it good. I, I think it's whoever drives it drives it well. And, um, you know, the greens look gnarly as well. But, I mean, I, I think if you hit in the fairway, those guys are so good, they're going to hit it relatively close. So, I think him or um, – in my opinion, Rory's probably the best driver of the ball. I know he's had a baby and he's got a lot of distractions, but I think Rory drives it as good as anybody probably in the world. Uh, he'd probably be one of my top three picks. So I would say Rory be three, two, probably be Rom. Of course, I haven't put any money on these guys yet. I probably should tonight, but um, I, I got DJ to win it. I would say, yeah, I would say DJ, Rom, and Rory, probably in that order. With that um, little clash that Rom and DJ had a couple weeks ago, that was insane. That was awesome. That's some good golf right there. And there's Teddy. They can give us literally 200 golf balls from those spots. We wouldn't make one. Us? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they could give Jesus. me a thousand. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's, it's crazy. They they are unbelievable. They're so damn good. Wait, before we let you run, man, uh, how's the game? right now you you feel good about it like 
you're putting well, you're driving well. I know, I know you spend a lot of time out there. I want to make sure that you're still getting better, man. I don't want you getting complacent on me. Yeah. I've been hitting pretty good. I played Carson today. Um, we played 27. So I think I shot 73 or 74 on the front or on the, on the first 18. Uh, birdie day down. I'm not even sure I saw him last night, but I played pretty good. I'm hitting it good. You know, Teddy seen me hit my two iron. My two iron is my go-to. I didn't hit my driver sure. great, but uh, my two iron goes plenty far. Hit it, hit it just, you know, out there, it's all you really need. And uh, putting better, got a little putting lesson the other day. I've never had a putting lesson in my life. Got a little putting lesson. Um, I did three. Uh, how about this, though? You guys ever played Carson Creek? Yes, it's I'm impossible. still waiting on the invite. Well, come on, anytime. So, number one, there's a the pin was in the middle. There's like this ridge, right? Like the pin was right on the ridge. So I pulled this putt from six feet, six feet for eagle. I'm gonna hit a seven. I hit bang the drive, seven iron to six feet. I'm thinking I'm gonna make three, four at worst. I pull it two inches. I have eight feet coming back up the hill. <laughs> I three putt from six freaking feet, dude. Was, I mean that's just nasty. So I would. I know that ruined your better, day, but, but I do that. At least four or five times around. My you my you second putt is longer than my first. That cost me not hundred hundreds of dollars. Oh, and, oh, and your was, your mindset on number one the rest of the day was probably just floating around there too, messing with your game. Oh, it, it screwed me up. And then I was pissed, and then I banged one right on two, birdie four, birdie nine. I, mean, I, I did all right. I made a bunch of money today, but yeah, I mean. So, yeah, the strength of my game is my two iron. I'm hitting it all right. I'm a, I'm a tinker. I, I think every time I've ever played with Teddy, I've got a different set of irons in the bag, but I'm, I'm a tinker. <laughs> different set of irons, different golf shoes. I figured out the key to getting uh, Brandon to play bad. The more he drinks, the worse he gets. Big time. So what was that that one day we as we were playing a scramble, and I think we had to shotgun a beer if we didn't birdie the hole, and it got yeah. out of hand pretty quickly. No, I, when, when it, I thought it was shotgun a beer for every birdie we made. Maybe that's what it was. And then we started, yeah, we played like shit and we didn't make any parties. <laughs> we had a good time, though, man. It was, it was fun. Thank uh, God that was in the neighborhood. I didn't have to drive. I could jump in the golf cart. And that go was the that. Warriors for Freedom thing, I think. That was, a lot yeah. of, that was a good one. That was a lot of fun. But, yeah, golf game's good. I, I'm playing quite a little play again tomorrow. I'm, that's all I do is play golf and play golf and hang out with the kiddos. There you go. Well, time. yeah, we appreciate the time, man. We'll have you back on when, hopefully – when Oklahoma State and OU play. When, when is Bedlam it? goes uh, November? I, it, November? 17th? I feel like well, it's – that late? It's, I yeah, think it's, it's the week before Thanksgiving this year, right? I think, yeah, I think it's the 17th for whatever yeah. reason. So, so is, that, is that like the last week of the – or do they play one more? No, yeah, they play the 5th. December 5th is the last week. Yeah, the oh, schedule's all, uh, all jacked up. Well, it's, yeah, I guess they're starting a little late, so that makes sense. But. Yeah, so we'll have you back on then, and we'll Perfect. talk about – your golf game, and maybe that football game. Sound good, bud? Perfect. All right, man, thanks. All right, fellas. See you all. I, I wonder why Whedon doesn't get into, like, the announcing game. I think they're – I should have asked him because at some point, I think he was kind of headed and he, he had some opportunities and then coronavirus. Uh, I think he was kind of headed towards a color analyst-type role maybe. I know last year he He'd be was, great at that. Yeah, he was sitting in on one of the OU broadcasts kind of in the back, and I can't remember if it was a game that maybe Joel Klatt and them were doing or, or who exactly was on the call, but he was in the booth just kind of sitting back and watching and learning. So 
um, he may still do that. Yeah, and he just gave us some some interesting tidbits about like that it. Oklahoma State team. I, I, I like, like it a lot. It. That's some that's some good stuff. All right, let's move on to the National College Football Roundup, and that's brought to you by Insurica. Do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica at insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A dot com. Well, there's a little, uh, it seems like there's some significant news in the college football world. The Big Ten did the right thing. They will resume its schedule on the weekend of October 24th. The vote by the conference presidents and chancellors was unanimous. Chancellors, that's such a douchey word. It is. Uh, maybe it's not. I don't know. But it is. It it, is. Yeah, okay. Okay, it's not just me. Good. They are going to play eight games and then plus one. And the plus one's kind of awesome because for the number one team in the West and the number one team in the East there in the Big Ten, the plus one is the conference title game. The number two team in the East will play the number two team in the West. The three will play the three and so on and so That's forth. That's pretty cool. How do they it is cool. decide where the game's going to be? That's a great question. I have no idea. Is it going to be one of those things where it's all – now, they're going to release that schedule, it sounded like, in the next couple of days. I wonder if it will all be like in one spot. Oh, like a Little League tournament. Just play yeah. one right after another. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? Just a full <laughs> yeah. day like, hey, it's Big Ten Day, and they just play every damn game. You got guys stretching over on the side while Ohio State's playing whoever. Yeah, that'd be great. They're like out around. It's in like Indianapolis or something. They're out in the parking lot getting warm. One of those, Just do it at one of those big Little League complexes where there's like six football fields out there. Just play them all at once. Yeah. Hey, I'm all, I'm all for it. Football all day. It's why not? Give me the all 400 camera so I can watch everyone at the same time. <laughs> I want to see all the kids at once. Please. <laughs> Thank you. So th this is awesome. It it's great. They're going to test the kids every single day. And it seems like that was the thing that really got them over the hump. It and it's fantastic. It's good for college football when the best teams in college football are playing and when the best players are playing and there's kids at, Michigan and Ohio State and Penn State and so on that that qualify for like that like this is good for college football but the Big Ten they just couldn't do it and be like hey guys we hear we'll you come back and do everything that everyone else is doing well I just I just don't understand they just had to make us still even though they have looked like idiots for the last several weeks they just had to come back and still try to convince us that they're smarter than us, like that they know better. Like all of a sudden there's a, what, there's a color code system with red, orange, and green, and they're talking about positivity rates and all these things. 
it's like they needed us to think that they care more. They're smarter. Their system's more advanced. And it's like, and you look at the, the, uh, the kids that test positive. They have to sit out for 21 days if they test positive. Where else does anyone have to sit out 21 days? Nowhere. I mean, Nowhere. does the CDC, did the CDC change that? that? No, of course not. So, <laughs> I mean, there had to have been, imagine sitting in on that vote. One of the presidents or chancellors or supreme leader, whatever they call themselves, <laughs> had, had to sit there and say, well, you're not getting my vote unless it's a 21-day quarantine. But, excuse me, Supreme Leader, no one else in college football, in high school football, in the United States, in the world is going off a 21-day quarantine. Well, if you want the Supreme Leader's vote, that's what we're going to have to get. So, I mean, that's probably how that went down. I just uh, – and I, I am thrilled that they're doing it. I want to say – I want to see Justin Fields play football this year. I have not hid the fact that I want to see him play some quarterback this year. But I don't understand why the Big Ten, they couldn't just be honest about it. It's like you had several of these university presidents coming out there and saying, you know what, the only reason we're doing this, it nothing else mattered, was the fact that our medical experts were advising us and saying that it is now safe and that we have this daily testing I mean, that's just not true. It's not true. Like, you're playing football, yes, because, number one, you think you can, ki- you can keep the kids safe and you have the testing. But number two, there's a ton of money at stake. All of the people want to see it happen, and they have been bitching at you this entire time that other people are playing football and you're not. Like, I don't know why they can't just be like, you know what? We reassessed. We made a mistake. But it's like, nope. We're smarter than you. We're better than you. Here's our system. 21 days. 21. It's just like, what what are we doing? I'm tired of their high and mighty bullshit, man. I am. Uh, No, I am too. Especially whenever pretty much every state that I know of in Big Ten country is playing Little League, junior high, high school, College, some of them, and professional football, a lot of them. So, I mean, that's the thing right there. And, you know, the the whole situation about the positivity, like the percentage. Okay, so this is this was very confusing to everyone, including myself. So the player positivity rate, very easy to figure out. But then the Big Ten, instead of just saying players, coaches, and staff that will be tested, what word do they use, Teddy? Population. Yeah. Why, why would they use that word? It made everyone think that it mattered what was happening within the cities that the schools were in. They're like, well, we got to look at the positivity rate of people, everyone being tested in the city. Like, oh, this is going to be difficult. I mean, it was just – is Why they do that? Is? Yes. Yes. I mean, that's yeah, what it so, is. It, so they use the word population instead of just saying players, coaches, staff that will be tested with the daily testing. They use the word population because they thought it sounded fancy. Well, so what, what I 
tell me if this could be totally wrong, but there's like two percentages listed. There's like 5% and 7.5%. Like if the player positivity rate is like at 5% and the population is at 75 they have to stop for seven days, right? All activity. Yeah. So it's almost like they're – they said, yeah, we're coming back, but, you know, just, just to let you know, we're shutting you down. Like, you're coming back, but we're shutting you down. Like, I, don't, I haven't looked into all of those cities up there and seen what they're doing right now, but, I mean. So, uh, Nicole Auerbach from The Athletic asked what the population positivity rate was about, and this is what she tweeted. Got some clarity about this. Population and population positivity rate is referring to a team's rostered players plus the group of coaches, staff, ETC, subject to the daily antigen testing. It has nothing to do with the actual city, which everyone and their dog assumed when they used the word population. They could have just said team. Yeah, you think? (laughs) <laughs> but they had to sound too smart. You know, the population of the team. It's that like, was what? another one of the Supreme leaders came up with that one. I, I don't think, I, I think we should find one word to encompass all of them. That's what took so long. They've been trying to figure out what word to use there in the, that, that in was the it. language. That's, what, that's why it took the extra two or three days. And, and like you mentioned at the start. But here's the thing. Seven percent of a team—that's seven guys. I mean, give or take. If you talk about the like well, the trainers and everyone, I mean, it's like if they have a round of testing with ten guys test positive, they have to shut the whole thing down for seven days. And, and then we can get into a conversation about testing positive and the contact tracing stuff. Like, it, hopefully, the daily testing. That, hopefully, eliminates the daily the stuff. Tracing, yeah, right? I'm with you. Hopefully, that eliminates it. And I'm hoping for that. And the the whole premise behind the daily stuff is to eliminate the outbreaks, right? One person tests positive, you take them out. Like, I, I don't know. I'm, I just know I'm excited. I'm happy for the players. I'm happy for the coaches. Those dudes have been working their asses off just to play games in the fall. I'm glad they get the opportunity. It's going to be interesting to see who opts back in there in the Big Ten. We already saw Wyatt Davis, the stud offensive guard. Uh, he's uh, Pat Fryermuth, the tight end from Penn State. He's back in. So, Are they going to let these guys that have engaged uh, agents? If they don't, I'm going to fight every single person at the NCAA. Listen, if the commissioner of the Big Ten said, we're not playing football, so you hi- and then doubled down on it. Remember, said, we will not change our mind. And then, well, he, he changed his mind. Naturally. And they went and hired an agent and took some money. They should be allowed to come back and play. I don't give a damn how much money they took. Let the kids play. It was, it was the leadership's mistake, not the kids. Right. Don't punish, don't punish the kids for incompetent leadership. Well, well that's that, okay, what incompetent. Happens, that, was, that was mean. I apologize. That was mean. But, it wasn't uh, mean you threw a four-syllable word at him, so 
that hurts. But you sometimes you got to do that whenever you're talking about supreme leaders and chancellors. You got to get big, up hey, on their. This letter. is how I feel. Like the Big Ten leadership, they would be proud that I use the word incompetent. They'd be like, you know what, that guy's got a decent vocabulary. <laughs> big Twelve swine. <laughs> like, gosh. Okay, but we're excited. We're excited. You're excited, right? Yeah, I, I think okay, so. Good. I think it's good and. One of the things I love about college football is the discussion around the college football playoff, and this is going to throw a massive wrench in it. So oh, sign me up for that. Different numbers of games. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait for that debate. And, well, the Pac-12 may be involved as well because they can't be the only ones in the Power Five not to play. Uh, I know they're dealing with the virus out there. I know they're dealing with the fires, which all the prayers out to those people. That looks awful. The Oregon governor comes out on Wednesday and gave Oregon and Oregon State the green light to practice. And it sounds like Gavin Newsom has done the same thing there. And he's going to let the California schools have the, the exemption to the restrictions as well. I just don't know how much I trust Larry Scott to put a coherent plan together quickly. That's, that's why that is, that is one thing that's kind of getting me from getting too excited about the Pac-12 plan. but. Ted, I, I, I'm pretty confident it's happening, too. I don't know what the timeline's going to look like, but we're getting Pac-12 football in the fall, right? I mean, I, it seems like now that the Big Ten has decided that it's okay, that the Pac-12 has decided that it's okay, too, um, I just love how the Oregon governor right at the very beginning said, we're not playing sports in Oregon until 2021. Uh, that was like in March, uh, remember, because all of a sudden we knew that the Ohio State game was was in question or, or not going to happen. Um, and Newsom in California in March, a week after the whole thing started, said, we're not playing sports in California until 2021. Like they knew immediately. Somehow they knew immediately and – here we go. They've changed their mind amazingly. And, you know. Amazing. Amazing. I hope the Pac-12 plays too. Give me all the college football. I want it yeah. all. I want it all. All right. There are a couple of, you know, pretty solid games this weekend. Uh, you've got number 14 UCF at Georgia Tech. Uh, the Fighting Hyples will take on the Fighting Jeff Collins' And we'll get to see Dylan Gabriel back out there for the Knights, take on the freshman Jeff Sims, coming off that satisfying win over Florida State. We've got Houston at Baylor. Uh, that game got put together in what seems like 24 hours. The old pals Dave Aranda and Dana Holgerson will both see what they've got with those two rosters that look drastically different from last season. And then we have a, a top 25 matchup. Wow. A top 25 matchup between number 17, Miami. They're going to number 18, Louisville. Top 25 matchup. Let's go. Any of these games, maybe another game, anything catching your eye? Well, I mean, honestly, all of them. I think all of them are inter interesting. I think the Georgia Tech-UCF game is really interesting. I think that's going to be good. Georgia Tech showed us something a week ago against Florida State. The one I'm really interested in, though, if I had to pick and I could only watch one, it would be Houston and Baylor. 
I mean, after watching Iowa State and Kansas State, I just don't know what I'm going to see out of Baylor, and I feel like the, the Big 12 really needs a win right now. Come on. Do not drop that game to Houston, which, you know, Houston has a chance to be pretty decent. I know they've gone through a tough offseason, and especially here recently, but there's some dudes have transferred into Houston there for Dana Holgerson. Yeah, and you, you really don't know what Baylor's going to be either. You got new. You got a new offense coordinator in Larry Fedora. You got Dave Aranda bringing in his defensive system. You lost all those starters from the best defense in the Big Twelve last year. I I just don't even know. I'm expecting Charlie Brewer to play well, I guess. But I I also I I do think one thing to watch for in that game. I think Aranda is going to be dialing up pressure like crazy mm-hmm. because. He was kind of in a box. He was coaching in a box, right, there at LSU. He had all those talented guys. He didn't have to be that creative. He could just play man coverage, rush four. Caleb on chase on, gets to the quarterback. Christian Fulton or the Stingley kid puts the shackles on wide receivers and rinse, repeat, right? Got all those draft picks. He doesn't have that. He's not going to have that type of talent, at least now at Baylor, and I think the bullets will be flying. I think he'll be bringing pressure from everywhere. It's going to look like how it looked when he was at Wisconsin. Yeah, I think so. I think it's – the problem is, can you get those guys to lock in with the type of offseason they've had? Those exotic blitzes and stuff are really difficult, and with limited time, limited access to them, we'll see how much they can, they can grasp and understand those concepts right away. It's probably going to be a big risk, big reward type of defense – Probably a lot of sacks, a lot of turnovers, but giving up a lot of big plays. Yeah, the the one game I'm excited about is the top 25 matchup there in the ACC. You want to see some athletic hey, quarterback play? Um, my computer's about to restart on me, so I'll probably – I'm going to have to, like, see if I can do it. It just popped up and said in two minutes, like, Fidelity National's doing a, a restart, so <laughs> – I'm like I'm, uh, I'm leaving it in. I'm leaving this in. <laughs> okay, I'm so I will. I'll either dial back in by phone or, or um, I'll maybe use my wife's computer. Okay, cool. All right, sorry. <laughs> and we're back. We are back. We're we're back. Is everything we're okay? Back. We're back. Uh, Technology is a hell of a thing. It giveth and it taketh away, Gabe. I um, I was using my computer and it said, uh, you're not using it anymore. We're restarting this sucker and loading some new uh, software on here. So I was able to uh, dial up with my phone. So hey. sorry to my computer, but here we are, man. We're back up and running just like that. It's It's all about being flexible and adaptable in 2020 and here we are and as i was saying i'm excited for the good one in the acc uh, you, you want to watch some athletic quarterback play you're gonna get it with Derek king there at miami and mikhail cunningham at louisville both of these guys are entertaining as hell to watch play and i thought Derek king he he looked pretty solid in the opener looked comfortable Operating Rhett Lashley's offense, they were playing with some serious tempo, which was fun to see. And the Cameron Harris kid, he was impressive running the rocks. So I know Scott Satterfield feels good about his team. He seems to be building Louisville the right way. 
And I know that's exciting. And they've got one of the best players in the country that a lot of people don't know about in Tutu Atwell. So I'm really excited about this football game. And I, I feel like Miami's got the upper hand. I have no idea. Maybe it's just because they beat the hell out of Louisville last year, even though these rosters are both very different. Miami had a bunch of guys opt out, but Louisville looks the part. I think that defense is pretty solid, but Ted, I'm, I'm all about this game. This game is going to be entertaining at the very least. No, I'm with you. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Washington Derek King is always a blast. He's a, uh, he's a special kind of player. Now th- this is a game that Miami, if they ever want to entertain being back, they got to win this. Right. I mean, that's a really good point. Yeah. It's like we how long can we wait on Miami? You know, they they've recruited decently. They've got what I think is the right coach for that that area, that team, that city. But they've got to start winning some big games and it's it's strange to say that Miami and Louisville is a big game for the U like what they're used to doing back in the day, but they've got to start winning some of these games. If they can't get over the hump against teams like Louisville, they're never going to get over the hump against FSU whenever they're back and, and Clemson whenever they're humming. So, you know, they, they got to do it. Or I, I just – this is like my last time with Miami. Like I felt like a couple of times like, okay, I, they got some good players. They got some solid guys in there. They need to start winning some of these games. And I may just totally throw in the towel after this if they can't pull it off. Even though I wish that D end was playing that dude – was a Ooh, beast. The Russo kid. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. He's you'll you'll see him on Sundays, but don't yeah, worry. Yeah, he'll be good. Don't worry. He'll, he'll be out there. All right, let's move on to our segments. And let's start up with our winners and losers of the week. And the winners and losers of the week are brought to you by Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs to help you execute a realistic and achievable weight loss plan designed for you and only you. They've got all kinds of treatments for men and women. They're licensed and trained experts combine diet and exercise with hormone therapies to maximize your results. If you're struggling with low libido or lower energy, Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs can help with that too. They also offer Botox and fillers. To get on the path to losing weight, call 918-241-LOSE or visit their Facebook page. If you mention the podcast, you'll get a free fat burner injection. All right, Ted, who do you have as your winner of the week? Austin Seibert. And... (laughs) I know it's like, how in the world could you pick Austin Cyber as your winner? He just got cut from the Browns for missing a, a field goal. Well, I'll tell you why. Because he got picked up by the Cincinnati Bengals, right? The in-state, in-division rival. And I'll go ahead and tell you how this story goes, Gabe. He kicks a game winner against the Browns on Thursday night and kicks in Cincinnati for the next 15 years. That's how this thing works, right? Isn't that just natural? That would- and the Browns. That would you know, be very on brand, on brand. I almost said on Browns. <laughs> that would be very on brand for the Cleveland Browns. There's no right. Doubt. And Joe Burrow, you know, turns into like the next great quarterback in the NFL and the Cincinnati Bengals are in the playoffs every year. And, you know, that's just how it is. Right. So Austin Cyber is my winner for the week. I can't wait. I can't wait. I did. <laughs> I, I hate to root keep, against the Browns, but I'm, I'm kind of rooting for that scenario, right? I think we're all rooting for that scenario. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That would be so amazing. Please. All right. Who do you have as your loser of the week, Ted? Oh, man. I, you know, there's some things that really frustrate me. And 
a lot of it is uh, when good people do stupid things. And I think Ezekiel Elliott's a good guy. I think he is. Deep down somewhere, I think there's a good guy in there. I think there's even a smart guy in there. That's why it frustrates the hell out of me whenever someone like that tattoos feed me <laughs> on their stomach. <laughs> Come on. Like, who would ever think that's a good idea? Who? Wait, How? Okay. And I'll say this about Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, he, he's, he's ripped up, right? I mean, there's a reason he rolls the jersey up. Doesn't he seem like a guy that when he's done playing could balloon a bit? You know how it goes, Teddy. There's guys like me and you that are like, you know what? We're going we're gonna to be fit. We're going to lean up a little bit, lean up a little bit. We're going to put a ton of effort into this. We don't want our wives to divorce us type situation. And, and then we know some guys that are big and doesn't Zeke Elliott seem, he seems like a ballooner to me. Well, I'll tell you right now. And, uh, not that I've been looking or anything, but the abs already look a little bit different than they did on draft night whenever he wore the crop top suit, which was another. I should have known then that this was going to happen, <laughs> right, whenever I saw that decision. But I just, you know, at some point he's going to be 80 years old and it's going to be like, hey, Grandpa, what's that say on your stomach? Feed me. Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, come on, man. Just yeah. incredibly stupid. Do you have any tattoos? Zero. Zero. We're, we are a tattoo-less podcast. How about that? You know what's funny? I'm not against them. I, I think they're cool. I just, I've never had, like, the desire to get one. And I, I know, but this is the thing about me. If I got one, it would be, like, two half sleeves instantly. It would be like, right. all right, let's just do this. I, I would be the same way, but... I keep waiting for this to happen, and maybe it will, maybe it won't, but at some point, when every person on the planet is tattooed like it's trending right now, those rare few that are not, those will be the real trendsetters, right? Because, I mean, it's only cool. that Like, tattoos, like, originally were the things that only, like, sailors did and biker gangs did and just the craziest of crazy rock stars like can can you believe that he would ink something onto his arm like that that guy's crazy but now everyone has it doctors lawyers there's going to be a time where we have a president that has a full arm sleeve that's coming up probably pretty quickly so we're trendsetters gabe yeah uh, one of my favorite quotes it was I think it was a guy going through like the NBA draft process is you ever seen a bumper sticker on a Maybach? <laughs> the That's answer true. is no. The answer That's is true. no, but we, we are pro tattoo on here. We just don't have any. Sorry. Sorry. All right. So my winner of the week. Now I thought about going with Bam Adebayo because that block Ooh. was, oh, that block on Jason Tatum was unbelievable and i don't think i'm being dramatic i i know lebron's chase down block was amazing but i think that's the best block i've ever seen in nba playoff basketball at least that i can recall if there's something better i don't know but i'm not going with bam does the name shay petty mean anything to you no okay 
it, it, there's going to be a lot of people that know, but for those of you that don't know, I'm a big WNBA guy, big WNBA guy, have a vested interest in that. And Shea Petty is a WNBA player. And this is why she is my winner of the week. It's kind of like the cyber thing. We were very, we're all about the revenge right now. <laughs> so Shea Petty, she went to the Wubble, the WNBA bubble. They call it the Wubble. She went there as a Washington mystic. She was on that team. She played for them last year. They waved her down there, cut her, on August 17th. She signed with the Phoenix Mercury a couple days later. Who plays in the single elimination first round of the WNBA playoff? Yeah, they go NCAA tournament style in the first two rounds. Yeah. The Mystics, who, who cut her, and the Mercury, who, who she plays for now. They're playing in the single elimination playoff game last night, which is awesome. It creates a lot of tension. It's fun to watch. Phoenix was down two at the very end of the game. Now, Phoenix has Diana Tarazi. You may have heard of her. Unbelievable. Skylar Diggins-Smith, two of the best players in the league. But who takes and makes a buzzer-beater three to win the game by one point? Shea Petty does. Buries a corner three. Sends the team home. That cutter. She said, the bite. Now she also – Did she give a – did she do a Damian Lillard? Yeah, she just... should have. She should have. Oh. It was it was awesome, but it wasn't as fun because they were like, how did that feel? Knocking them out and stuff. And she's like, well, I kind of owe my WNBA career to them. They brought me oh, in because she's, no I was way. like, oh, come on. I was like, you got to tell them to just, oh, yeah, see you at home, nerds. I, <laughs> I, I wish she would have she been a little ruder. She handled it incredibly well and was very kind but it was one of those where she won't admit it she won't say it out loud oh dude that felt fucking good there's no doubt about that that's got to be the greatest thing ever now hang on a second i haven't watched WNBA in a while are you telling me tarazi still plays i feel like we were in college at the same time when she was at uconn i think you were and yes she still plays and she still drops like 30 like she's unbelievable. <laughs> and she doesn't she play like in Russia in the offseason too? Yeah, but that that went away this year right. because of the COVID right. stuff. So I mean they're kind of balling down there in the WNBA. Don't forget about nice. the wobble, people. Support the women. Come on. All right, time my loser of the week. Now, I I almost went with Kanye West because he put some weird video out of him pissing on his Grammy and then I was like okay there's some mental health <laughs> stuff going on it's like in the toilet I'm like what is this guy doing but I I don't want to poke fun at him because I think there's some there's some chemical imbalance going on there and I want Kanye to be okay love his music he also did the have you ever seen Airheads with Adam Sandler yeah you remember the part uh the Lone Rangers the name of the band whenever um Oh, what's his name? Brendan. Um, he's the main, he's the lead singer on the, in the group. Anyway, Fra- Brendan Fraser, is that his name? Yes. Anyways, they, they take the, the studio hostage and they sign a contract and he takes the contract and pulls his pants down and wipes his, you know what with it. And <laughs> that's what Kanye West essentially did with his contract today too. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> I think he just wants to own his own music. I think that's what. I, I, I guess I, I can't blame him for that, but you know. Yeah, but my loser of the week. It's it's not Paul George, believe it or not. It's actually Kawhi Leonard. Now I know everyone was making fun of Paul George, aka Playoff P, uh, when he hit the side of the backboard with the shot. They were calling him way off P, which was pretty hilarious, I got to admit. But that's kind of what we all expect from Paul George in that moment. I I mean, I know that sounds bad, but it's kind of been proven, right? We did not expect 6 of 22 and only 14 points from Kawhi Leonard in a game seven. I mean, coming into the playoffs – it felt like if you could have one player in a game seven in the bubble setting, I mean, Kawhi's probably the guy you would have gone with. Maybe LeBron, but Kawhi is, he would have been a lot of people's first choice. And I don't know if the bubble format caught up to him. Um, he looked tired. He looked kind of slow for him because he's a freak of nature, but he didn't play well in that big stage. And that that's just, not something we're used to. And I was really surprised. Now, you got to give credit to Jamal Murray and Jokic. Those dudes balled out. But, Ted, I, I wasn't necessarily surprised with how Paul George played. I was shocked at how poorly Kawhi Leonard played in that game seven. And the Clippers, they just they just rolled over. And it was uh, – that wasn't even close at the end. Yeah, crazy that Doc Rivers is the only coach to blow three – different 3-1 leads in the playoffs, uh, which is just totally shocking. Um, But it's happened, and yeah, I mean, I'm with you all the way around. You know, and I've heard a ton of people going after Kawhi about he's not nearly as good as we, we thought, and we gave him way too much credit for that championship a year ago. And I just, I don't know that that's necessarily true. I think the um, I think the bubble's been hard on a lot of people. I think that, you know, and I saw someone tweet this. I know they voted against playing, but damn. <laughs> uh, I think I think I think that was uh, C.J. McCollum that tweeted that. I think that. that's right. And Dave Lillard was taking some shots at Paul George. It was pretty great, dude. I mean, there's been there's a lot going on right now. So I I mean. I did not expect him to play that way, but, you know, I think some of the criticism is maybe too harsh about people, you know, questioning how good he really is and did people over over hype his skills and his ability and, and that championship. And I think that's just I, – I don't, I don't think that's right, but you're right, man. He, well, he was right there in a game seven, and he should have gone out and won the thing. Yeah, and I, I just think people were so surprised because they had started – mention him kind of like in the same sentence as Jordan, right? And when you start having those conversations, it brings a lot of people into the fold. And when he played so poorly in that game, I think a lot of people just overreacted. He's still incredible. He's amazing. You know what I think's strange, though, is, I mean, the top four or five guys in the NBA – is is pretty much in concrete and maybe even the the top three you probably go with what LeBron Kawhi Giannis right that's that's kind of what a lot of people are saying I know Kevin Durant would probably factor in whenever he's healthy and everything but you know 
I'm I'm I, shocked that Giannis was like he's avoided any criticism at all throughout this whole thing, and they got they were gone quick. He rolled his ankle. No, but yeah, it was they they didn't look good the entire time they were no. there though. They, they no, looked they off. So I'm I don't know, but I'm disappointed in you, Kawhi Leonard. You're my loser of the week. All right, Teddy, it's Thursday. So you know we got to wet the beak just a little bit. Weekend's coming up. We're going to wet it a little bit. And Wet the Beak is brought to you by Tim Hughes Custom Homes. Are you looking to build your home, dream home? If so, Tim Hughes is the man you're looking for. Tim Hughes Custom Homes is a one-stop shop for all your home building needs. He can find you a lot. He can find you an architect. He'll find you financing. And, of course, he can build you your dream home exactly the way you want it. Sounds too good to be true. Well, Tim found my wife and me a lot. He found us an architect and built our new home. Tim and his team were so easy to work with. Put some epoxy in the garage today. Laid it oh, down. Dude, oh, yeah. That is the best. Tim that took care the of it. Best thing I, had, you can I, do. I didn't have to do a thing. Tim took care of it. He also builds office buildings. So if your business is looking to build a custom office, Tim Hughes is your man. You can see Tim's custom builds throughout Gallardia, Nichols Hills, Oak Tree, Stone Mill, and Rose Creek. It is a great time to build the house of your dreams. For more information and to see Tim's spectacular work, visit his Instagram page at Tim Hughes Custom Homes or visit TimHughesCustomHomes.com. All right, Ted, we already touched on it a little bit, but let's wet the beak with Thursday Night Football. We've got Browns versus Bengals, Burrow versus Baker. And Joe Burrow, he, he looked pretty good in the opener against, against the Chargers, especially on that last drive before Randy Bullock mysteriously injured himself on that kick and uh, did not send that game to overtime. That was an absolute classic kicker situation. But Burrow showed off the wheels a little bit, and Baker needs to bounce back. He needs to play better. We've got an even more local flavor in this game now with Seibert getting claimed by the Bengals. Of course, we've got Joe Mixon there for the Bengals. Jordan Evans, special team guy for them. And Amani Bledsoe just got signed yeah. to their active roster. So that's big time. So we got a lot of OU guys in this game, but I still am hoping. Uh, I know that they said they may be sticking by the Bullet guy, but I hope they give Seibert the chance. It would be. So hilarious, like you mentioned, if he kicked a game winner. And the Battle of Ohio, somehow, I'm not really sure how, the Browns are a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Who you? Who do you like? Cincinnati. I mean – The Browns just I'm, look so disjointed last week. I, 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 I know, they do. And with such a quick turnaround, uh, I, I feel like the pressure's mounting and – to play a division in-state rival is this is not the right time for it off a quick turnaround. I know both teams are on a quick turnaround, but I mean, Cincinnati's coming out of the game feeling like, Hey, we've got something here, right? We fixed a couple of things. We've got ourselves a football team. The Browns are coming out of their game thinking, Oh my God, this is a total disaster. Every man for himself. So, I mean, the Browns may win the, the game, but God, I would I wouldn't go over a field goal. Give me Cincinnati in the points. Yeah, I'll take Cincinnati in the points as well. I the one advantage they have there's actually going to be Browns fans in the stands. I think they're letting in like six thousand people or something I mean, like that. 
I, I think you, I think you're overestimating uh, the Browns fans. And, oh, come and their on, man. Browns fans on their good. own team. <laughs> that, okay, that's the point. But they're they're good fans. They just want to see a team win, and it's been so so long if for the, them. If the Browns are on offense first, and the first pass is incomplete, the place will erupt in booze. You know that, Gabe. You know you, that. You think they'll boo Baker? Do you think they will boo Baker Mayfield in the first quarter? Yes. Okay. Do you think the okay? Well, I mean, you know, it, Burrow grew no, up a Browns well, fan too. Do you think the Browns fans will flip on Baker and they'll actually start cheering for <laughs> Burrow because he's an Ohio guy and he grew up a Browns fan? Now, hang on. Let me say they'll boo Baker if he plays poorly in the first that, quarter. That, of course, of course. Right. I mean, if he goes out there and throws an interception and Ooh, takes a sack, or you know, yeah. It, I mean, it's 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 volatile there right now. I mean, they are teetering on the edge. I, and I just this just came to me. Joe Burrow seems like a guy that Miles Garrett would want to rip his helmet off and hit him with it. I'm just going to point that out. I mean, but I don't know. Burrow seems Joe, he's cool. I mean. He he's, seems like uh, he's a he seems like a dude that's you know he's confident and he's cool and he seems I like think, probably he's the guy that everyone in the locker room likes. Right. Rudolph, on the other hand, kind of has the feeling of a like maybe a I don't know a country club kid or something maybe a little yeah. bit yeah and maybe that's unfair I don't I don't know no, him that, that well I, but that, yeah I don't I don't know him at all um, but yeah I. I think Burrow, I think he's one of the homies. I do. You see yeah. that he got the chain and everything. That that clip went viral. Uh, everyone loves that dude. I'm excited to see him. I'm excited to see him play against Cleveland. It's hard defense. not to love him whenever he lit up the cigar in the locker room. That, that was, was awesome. God, that was awesome. Why didn't I win a national championship and I could have done that? Damn it. Okay. Now let's wet the. It would have looked different though with you know, okay, you know, yeah, we get it, we get it. Okay, <laughs> now let's wet the beat with the U.S. Open. Ted, you're a huge golf fan. Uh, U.S. Open at Wingfoot Golf Club out there in New York. Been reading a lot about this course, and it sounds essentially like the hardest golf course imaginable. Uh, some of the pictures of the rough, we talked about it with Whedon. Some of those pictures floating around on social media, they look absolutely ridiculous. The last time they had the U.S. Open there was 2006. A lot of you may remember old Phil Mickelson's meltdown on the 18th hole there to end up finishing second that year. Ouch. The course sounds like it's going to be impossible, but the USGA did say they're going to try to make it a little easier, but someone's got to win, Ted. Someone's, someone's got to win. Someone's got to win. Some of the I mean, favorites, Dustin Johnson, 17-2. to two. John Rahm, 10-1. to one. Justin Thomas, 14-1. to one. Uh, Xander Shoffley, 14-1. to one. Colin Morikawa, 16-1. to one. Rory, 18-1. to one. Tiger all the way back at 40 to one. And then you can find lefty at 80 to one. And someone dropped 45 grand on him to win it. Isn't that crazy? Was it him? Probably. Yes. <laughs> and then he was tweeting at himself 
Hey, he's known, <laughs> he's known to like a bet, right? Yeah. Did you see his tweet? Because he was responding to someone put out there that someone had dropped a $45,000 bet on Phil Mickelson to win it. And he said, uh, I love their optimism. Hopefully I have a three-shot lead on 18. <laughs> now that, that that's the kind of self-deprecating humor I'm all about. That's awesome. Yeah, if you if you want to feel uncomfortable, go back and watch that Mickelson meltdown. And he looks uncomfortable too. He's about 40 pounds heavier than <laughs> too. So much bigger. I was watching it the other day. I was like, oh my gosh. Good He's actually in pretty, pretty good shape right now. But, but yeah, so who who do you like? Who do you like to win? You got a long shot you're looking at, anything like that? I like Dustin Johnson. Um, I know that's not a fun pick. He's the favorite, but um I just he he just cruises out there, um, you know. I like Morikawa. He's played great uh, out of Cal. I mean, he's he's fantastic. He's got kind of the mindset, and he's not super long off the tee, but he's a fairway and green kind of guy. And I think in this U.S. Open, that's going to be critical. If you're in the rough, you're absolutely dead. So um, I like uh, Morikawa a lot. I just I can't pull for wrong. I like the I like the U.S. guys for whatever reason in the in the U.S. Open. So I know Rom's going to be a big favorite. Feeling too, a little but. xenophobic today. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. USA <laughs> nationalist. I, there you go. God, that was aggressive. <laughs> uh, I like Justin uh, Justin Thomas. Um, I I just I worry about some of these long hitters on this course because you know like we talked about. The, the fairways are – you've got to be in the fairway. If you're in the rough – did you see that picture of the rough that was like a foot long? Yeah, it, it's, it's unbelievable. You're dead. You're absolutely dead. So I worry about the long hitters a little bit. I think uh, DeChambeau is going to be atrocious. So give me the fairways and greens, guys. I know Dustin Johnson is goes against a little bit with that because he is a long hitter, but – um, if I had to, if I was laying money, I'd probably go Johnson and Morikawa. Gotcha. I, I like Morikawa a lot, but I also like John Rahm, and it's because of what all these golf experts are saying. I mean, he won the Memorial, he won the BMW, and everyone I know that is super into golf says those those courses were by far mm-hmm. the hardest that they played recently, and he won both those tournaments. So. I would it seems love... to be golf seems to be streaky too. Like when yeah, guys are hot, point. they play well. Yeah, so you you would assume he'd just keep it rolling, and same with Dustin Johnson, right? But I would love to see Mickelson win somehow after what happened in 06. That would be one of the best stories in sports. We need that in 2020. So come on, lefty, make it happen. But so I'd go, I'd, I'd pick Rom to win simply because that's what all the golf nerds are telling me. But then I, I did a little research. Uh, I went back to those two tournaments, the Memorial and the BMW, and I looked at the leaderboard, and I was like, okay, who's some random guy that maybe played well in these because everyone's saying that Wingfoot's going to be similar to those setups. And there is a man named Matt Fitzpatrick who Ooh. finished in the top 10 of both of those tournaments. And he currently sits at 60 to 1. Okay, to I like that payoff. Let's so, go. So I, I'm just saying, if the, the golf nerds, 
They said that those were the two toughest. Matt Fitzpatrick had a great showing in both of those tournaments that Rom won. So maybe a little something on maybe a Matt Fitzpatrick, I don't know, top 10 or so. I, I don't know. I don't Let's get crazy. It. I don't hate it. That's, that's as good as reason as any to, uh, to bet on someone. And again, if he's playing well right now, tends to be a little bit streaky. So, yeah, I think that's, a, that's probably a good bet. Yeah, we'll see. All right, let's finish up with everybody's favorite segment, and that is keeping it local, where we highlight what's going on in the great state of Oklahoma. And keeping it local is brought to you by Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. As schools are reopening in the fall, parents want to provide the best possible educational experience and spiritual development for their children. There's no better place for that than Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. One-to-one iPad setting makes McGinnis students fully prepared to continue high-level learning from home. A 12-to-1 student-to-teacher ratio guarantees no student is overlooked in addition to the athletic programs and clubs. Bishop McGinnis' college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. Financial aid is available. For more information, visit bmchs.org. Okay, now, Teddy, this, this doesn't – I don't think this affects you. It certainly doesn't affect me, but it affects a lot of people that listen because Oklahoma City Public Schools – announced that pre-K and kindergarten class, in-person class, in-person learning will resume October 19th. They're going to a hybrid A-B schedule that makes classes smaller. Some kids come to school on Monday and Tuesday, others Thursday and Friday. The school gets a nice deep clean on Wednesday. They don't want the classes to be bigger than it sounds like 15 at a time. It's blended with virtual learning. I mean, they're doing this combination of all kinds of things, but kids back in the classroom, as a parent, I'm not a parent. I have no idea how excited parents are about this. Like, is this something parents are going to be fired up about? Are our listeners that have kids here in Oklahoma City, that go to the Oklahoma City Public Schools, are they jumping for joy right now? Well, they should be. Um, if you get your kids out of the house a little bit, I mean, I think it helps the mentality for both child and parent. Uh, now, our our boy's been going to, to school here in Norman, and he's been – they've been rocking and rolling for, I think, three weeks now, and he goes every single day. And he loves it. It's great. He loves being around his friends. So um, – I think it's important for those kids to get back out there and to see their friends and, you know, have, have a little bit doing, of social connection. Yeah. And they're doing masks and, and all that stuff. The teachers are wearing masks. The kids are wearing masks. So it's, you know, they're, they're still following all that stuff. So I, I was just wondering, it, it seems like people would be super excited about it. I just hadn't heard much from, because frankly, I, I'm not that old. So I don't, I don't talk to a bunch of parents all the time. Well, here's the thing, and here's probably why people aren't super excited about it, because you have two groups. You have, and there's really no in-between. You have the group that says, we should be in school 100%. All the kids should be there. They should be going to school right now. And then you have the other group that says, we should not be in school. We should be at home. We should keep, be keeping our distance. And this really makes both of them mad, <laughs> right? I mean, this, is like, like, this is like in between. <laughs> Instead of pleasing both of them, I think it pleases nobody. What, so, What can I mean, we do that will make everyone mad? 
<laughs> right. I, I think, I mean, at least that's what I gather from the situation. So um, I don't know. I can't really speak to it. My son's been going. It's been great. Um, they haven't had any problems. It's been, it's been absolutely fantastic. He loves it and we love it. So I know well, they'll be go. happy just for, you know, what is it? Two, one group is two days and then the other is three days and then they flip. So I know that'll, that'll be some, some nice space for both parent and child. Yeah. So, oh, and by the way, Hey, last, last, um, keeping it local segment. I saw that that, that passed with the, yeah, the, uh, the Cox convention center. Yeah. Gonna be a, I, I mean, guys, we're all going to be famous here in Oklahoma city. It's uh, just city natural. Council said, yeah, we're all going to be famous. Oklahoma city is basically going to turn into Hollywood. Let's go. No big deal. Every, every waiter or waitress that you have from now on is an actor, you know? So that's just Wait, how it are goes. We, are we only going to have beautiful waiters and waitresses now? Yeah, I, I, I'm guessing whenever you say, nice. hey, service was great, thanks. Well, I, I'm an actor, so, you know, uh, it's just, you know, I'm here for it. I'm not, a, I'm not a waiter. I'm just, I'm an actor. I'm just, you know, <laughs> waiting on my next role. Hey, whatever. <laughs> hey, Oklahoma City, big league city, big screen city. Love it. Let's go. Teddy, episode 43 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Monday morning. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on Sports Talk 1400. You can hear me on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great weekend. Until next time, we appreciate y'all for listening. And do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.